What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This week, Sean and I jumped in. We had a little bit of a Monday rundown here. We talked Yankees and Mets first. Yankees suck. We all know that. Following that, we talked a little bit of uh, laundry around the MLB. Following that, we talked NBA, Knicks, and Lakers. Then we talked some NFL, just did some cleanup just before the big preview that's coming up with Will Smith. And then talked a little bit of golf. Following that, we talked tennis for two seconds. And then we capped it off with a preview to the first week of college football, which I'm a little bit more excited about than usual. And I know Sean is very fired up. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports and enjoy the pod. We'll be back soon with our preview. doing okay yeah i'm doing just fine i'm getting ready for the for my buddy's wedding in dc this weekend so. yes oh you, i took a trip last weekend you're taking a big trip this weekend nice is it going to be another I one know. of those um super duper quick turnarounds for you it's gonna be a little bit eh, about the same actually uh, get in really really late thursday night and then uh come back monday but being a part of this wedding as opposed oh. to just attending, it's it's a lot. It's going to be a lot more busy and chaotic, and I'll be looking forward to getting home, passing the hell out afterwards. Yeah, I hear you. I was going to ask if you were going to have any Sean time, you know, just to like actually explore DC. I don't know if you've ever been before, but clearly not if you're in the wedding. Yeah, I've never been, so like I hope that there's apparently the venue and the hotel is like right on the water. Nice. Uh, bay so i'm looking forward to the that chesapeake yeah so you know i would like to but i'm gonna be at the mercy of the groom-to-be and the whole bridal party and all that so you're uh, just a groomsman or a best man groomsman than this one all right well good at least you don't have to be a best man yet no that's coming next year with my brother so. yes sir but no so it'll be good and you had a good trip uh to maine this past weekend which is nice always Always awesome a good trip. time up that way. I love that state. I couldn't live there full time because I can barely take a New York winter, but would love to uh, someday purchase a property up there and have it for the summer. What part were you in? I was in Kennebunkport. Oh, yeah, it's nice up there. But we did take a trip, a day trip to Portland. Portland's awesome. Kind of gave me Newport vibes. I don't know if you've ever been to Newport, but um, Newport's like my spot. Like I would love to have a spot there as well, but... Well, it's bougie as hell, so it definitely fits your criteria. <laughs> yeah, they're both pretty bougie, I'm not going to lie to you. But I do have to apologize in advance if you hear any meowing, hissing, or anything. The cats are oh, no. fully together, thick as thieves now. Uh, Chai's out of her crate, and they are out and about throughout the whole house. So if you hear them outside the door, they just want attention, or Chai wants food because she's a fucking fat ass. All right. Well, we've been warned. But yeah. anyway, man, I'm glad you had a good time up there. And, uh, 
you know, hopefully you got one more getaway uh, before the summer's over. But, Tom, we got oh, a yes. lot of shit to talk about. I so. got two, actually. Hilton oh, you Head. got two. What are they? Hilton Head um, for my birthday weekend. Me and Michaela are going out, going to play a little golf. And then I'm going to Saratoga to bet the ponies this week and playing uh, leather stocking up there in Cooperstown. Forgot, forgot you were going to Saratoga. Yep. Oh, so you're you're lined up, baby. You're you're all set. Honestly, I couldn't even recap the amount of traveling I did this summer. My my head is spinning, and I'm I'm honest. I'm I don't want the winter to come, but I am ready for it to settle down a little bit. And then we got some engagement parties for us that we got to have and whatnot. It's it doesn't seem like it's slowing down. No, it's not going to slow down at all. Uh, matter of fact, it sounds like it's just continuing to accelerate. But all good things. So so you're fine there. Um, it's not fine with the Yanks. They continue to lose. They, they've lost three, three straight, uh, two to the lowly, dreadful Oakland A's against pitchers who had, you know, above five ERAs. Yeah. And then they lost to the Angels last night. And, Tom, I mean, we do this pod every week. we got to keep it relatively, you know, entertaining. But, I mean, enough is enough. And their lead now is down to seven in the AL East. I mean, they're playing Tampa the next two weekends. There's a legitimate possibility that their that their lead is entirely gone in two weeks. You know, it's scary. It's it's really scary to talk about. But is there any, is there really anything good to say? I mean, what was your goal for when they uh, when they faced Tampa? Right, you said the West Coast swing, and then Tampa. You wanted them to go six and four. I said six and four at the least, and then the West Coast trip five and two. Well, that's not going to happen. And that's not going to happen. <laughs> They're two and three right now. So. And for them to go six and four, including Tampa, they'd have to win every single game from here on out. Yeah, they do. Um, and they're not going to. And it's no. really, it really is mind-boggling because they go out to Oakland, they win the first game, they score 13 runs on 20 hits. You're like, all right, this is how it's fucking supposed to be. And then, you know, they squeak by, barely win on Friday. They look like they're going to have the win, the win on Saturday. They blow that late. And then, you know, obviously Sunday get completely shut down. Mm-hmm. Yesterday against the Angels shut down. And, man, it's just there's too many guys on this team that you can understand why heading into the playoffs fans have no confidence in because they are all capable of having stretches like this where just nobody hits outside of Judge who hit number 50 last night. Deja vu, man. Deja vu from last year and the year before and the year before that and whatnot. And and you know what? It, it felt different at the beginning of the year. But this is why, man, we tried to temper our expectations. And then they got the best of us before the All-Star break because they were, you know, on record pace. And, and they've come crashing back down to earth. This is two months, basically, of really subpar baseball. So this isn't a blip. Like, I was thinking about it last night. I wonder if you'd agree. You know, last year we were constantly dealing with these five-game winning streaks, and then they'd lose six of seven. And they'd win three in a row, and then they'd lose four in a row. And this year they just they get off to this record start, as you said. And really for the last two months, it's been about 500, maybe a little less. I mean, their August is only – is only worse, or I'm sorry, the only team worse than them in August is Oakland, and that might not even be the case anymore after Oakland just won the last two in that series. Yeah, I was trying to look up the Yankees' record over the last two months for you just to give you an exact number, 
and really put it in perspective to put it up against like Pittsburgh or something, but they've got to be in the bottom half of the MLB here. Oh, they're they're having a historically bad August. I mean, five, they, they were August. July July they were 500. We don't have to talk about the first half. We gushed over it for long enough. July they were 500 and thus far in August and August ends tomorrow, I believe, they're 9 and 17, my friend. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and I, I don't give a shit. I'm not even going to pull up another team. That's that's probably one of the worst records in Major League Baseball. It, it's it's honestly putrid, and the only reason that they're still seven games up is because, yeah, Tampa's played well but not great, and Toronto's had a rough go of it of late. So they've gotten bailed out, as we kind of talked about last week, and it's kind of been status quo. But now you're about to get into these head-to-heads with Tampa Three at the Trop this weekend, three in New York next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll wrap up all the games for Tampa Bay. But like I said, by then, if the trend continues to go this way, you're going to be looking up in the standings for the first time since, I don't know, April, May? Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, probably early April because they went fucking 15-6 and six in April. And, I mean, Sean, just, just look at the numbers here. I mean, runs, they, they've – They've tapered off. Although last last month they scored the most runs, but their pitching was just bad news. Awful. Um, this month, I mean, they have played nine and seventeen, so they've played twenty six games in this month, and they have only scored ninety two runs. Yeah, that's no, I mean- insane to compare it to when they went thirteen and thirteen last month. That's they scored 167 runs last month. They have fallen off a cliff. It's really... We might be watching one of the worst collapses. You know, we referenced 78, you know, a couple times with the Red Sox having that 14-and-a-half game lead in August against the Yankees and losing in the one-game wild card. There honestly might be this. We might be staring at the worst collapse that I can ever think about. I mean, the Mets in two thousand eight, right, or two thousand seven, which whichever year that was, when they had the I think eight game lead with eighteen to go or something like that. But this is this is nuts, man. I can't think of I can't think of anything in the last ten years that rivals this. No, and you know what? It feels like since two thousand and eighteen when they had that breakout season that nobody expected and they went to the CS it feels like every year has led up to this to where they get your hopes up they get your hopes up now they really really got your hopes up and then they're just going to break your heart in an absolute epic proportion yeah and this really is fair to say that they got you know they they're they're kind of taking us for this wild ride because Last year, we knew they weren't very good. And, the, and in 2020, we had a 60-game sample size to show that that team wasn't very good. And 2019 was the last time that I remember being actually excited about yeah. the playoffs. Um, and this year, you're thinking, holy shit. I mean, they're only going to get better when they get the dead weight of Hicks and Gallo out of the way and a couple of pitchers. And, Tom, that takes me to Frankie Montas. This guy fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, man. Um I don't know if we could go back in time with my former sports father, Brian Cashman. I'm done with Cashman, by the way. Would my former sports father, Brian Cashman, uh, send them whatever they wanted for Castillo? This is 
this is just typical Cashman of the last six, seven years. He right? tries like, to be the smartest guy in the room, and he ends up outsmarting himself. Yeah, and he also tries to get the best bargain that anybody can. I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking prospects. You know, the most outrageous thing that you could say is that the Yankees didn't trade their top prospects for Luis Castillo, who's a legitimate difference maker. But you could at least talk me into like, okay, well, at least they're going to call up some of these guys that didn't trade, right? Well, they didn't even do that, and they're not doing that. So that's where... I feel like really they've shown that since 2018, though. To where they've yeah, got I've, these prospects, whatever their names may be, Sean, you could go up and down the list from the Greg Birds and the, all the way up until now where you have you know your Volpes and whatever, and... They never get called up, and then Greg Bird is – what is he even in Major League Baseball anymore? Did he retire no. again? No, and, and we're going to see Gary – or uh, we're going to see Glaber Torres fall next in line. Like, he will not be on this team next year. Aaron Hicks is already not playing. He won't be on this team next year. So this core of guys that you said you could never move and never trade and they were the baby bombers are never going to amount to a championship. And the, the only one still around is Aaron Judge, and we're hoping that he's around for years to come after this season. But yeah, dude, that'll be his it, choice. That'll be his choice. This is really pretty pathetic. And, you know, Montas, I don't know if it's the fact that maybe he just wasn't that great and maybe overhyped put pitching in Oakland. Or if he's another case of the Yankees going out and getting a guy, fucking with him, and him not being the same pitcher in New York, because we also have a lot of evidence of that. I mean, what? I don't even know what the hell they could possibly say to the guy to make him this bad. Because I don't care if, you know what, fine. Maybe he's pitching out in Oakland and the rest of the pitchers are just so bad in Oakland that he's slightly overrated. He's not terrible, you know? Like, he's not this bad. What could they have done? He's given up home run after home run, and he's, he's a ground ball pitcher. I don't like, get it. This is completely... do, you think, do you think from what you've seen, can you make a conclusion on him, or are you still holding out hope? I mean, he doesn't seem like he's an attitude guy who can't handle New York. I, he just seems like he he's not the same pitcher he was in Oakland. Obviously. He's lost, man. He's just lost. He you can't he can't locate any of his any of his pitches, especially. No. You know, the sinking fastball that he throws to get so many double plays. And, I, I mean, I don't know. They keep running him out there, and it's like all these games are high pressure because at this point, I think the Yankees have, what, a seven-game lead? Yeah. You know, compared to what they had going into August, which was probably like a 17-game lead or something like that off the top of my head. All these games are high-pressure situations. There's no time to figure it out at the end of August, early September. God, no. And he pitched really well against the Mets. You were hoping that was going to turn the corner because yep. the Mets can flat out hit. And That's what we said on Anaheim. our last pod. Right. And then he goes into Anaheim against a team that he has a lot of success against and is pitching out on the West Coast and just gets rocked. And, and I know it was only four runs in six innings, but it could have been a lot more than that. And again, you know, the biggest issue is all narrative based, right? I, I keep continuing to explain away the Montgomery trade because the Yankees didn't see him as a pitcher who was going to pitch in the playoffs for this for this team. Okay, fine. 
but Montas is supposed to be the major upgrade. So if he's pitching worse than Montgomery, then how does he, how do you justify him getting a postseason start? So that's where the fans, and rightfully so, I always say the front office doesn't have to worry about what the fans say. But we, I think this is pretty rational, right? You were supposed to replace Montgomery with a guy who was a legitimate number two, and he certainly hasn't earned the right to pitch in the playoffs. Not at all. No, things, things Sean, are, things are bad. Things are bad, man. Things are really <laughs> bad. So, um, it's so bad, actually, that I don't know if you saw Chapman's injury, but that was pretty gruesome. Um, I, I have not looked at pictures. I'm not a big blood guy. I, I, I don't watch any of the doctor shows or anything like that. Um, <laughs> so, I'll just take it at face value um, and just assume. How about that? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, put on the IL due to an infection on his leg from a tattoo that he got. Because obviously it's smart to get tattoos in season uh, while you're on the active roster. That's always great. But I've had enough with the Yanks. Holmes is back. It doesn't matter. This team can't hit. This team's not pitching. And it looks like they're free-falling. Um, Tom, let's talk the Mets. They took two, uh, three out of four from the Rockies. Last time I checked, they were losing 4-3 tonight to the uh, Dodgers in a big series at City Field, but how are we feeling about the Mets? They had their first old-timers game in a long time. It looked like that was a good event for them. How are you feeling about your New York Mets? I'm feeling better than the Yankees, but, I mean, that's also – I mean, is that really saying much? I'm actively trying to find a picture. Now i got to see this tattoo, man. Do I want to see it, Sean? I haven't seen it, so I can't tell you. It's it's tough to find I don't even know if there's pictures. Yeah, you yeah. know what? Never mind. Um no, I do feel good about the Mets. Um, their pitching has, has held pat. They took three or four from, from Colorado, which they desperately needed because Atlanta was really, really nipping at their heels there. And you know what? We said it about the Yankees earlier, but I'm going to go ahead and say it about the Mets. And I'm going to set this in, in permanent marker. This season is different go. for them. I, I I think they're one of the best teams in baseball, and the Yankees aren't. We we, we can write the Yank what we said about the Yankees that it's different in, in pencil. The Mets are in permanent marker. <laughs> I think that they are going to hold off Atlanta and win this division. I think you're right, and even if they don't, we talked about it last week, so we don't have to completely. Yeah, who the hell wants to go against them in a in a wild card series? Nobody. So yeah, and they're you're right, dude. The the feel around them is different. You know, the Yankees. We're one out away from taking the first three in Oakland, and you feel good about that even if they lose on Sunday like the Mets did, one nothing with Scherzer getting no run support. But it just feels so different when the Mets play than with the Yankees. No, and I mean, I you know, I will go back to the Yankees. I, I really didn't watch this weekend, but obviously I kept track, especially because you had your mandate that they had to win go 6-4, and four, including the Tampa series. So I obviously kept a close eye on that while I was up in Maine. And the first two days, I'm feeling good. And then, they, how do you, how do you lose like that to fucking Oakland, man? But they just didn't hit. They didn't hit against two guys that were up there in the league leaders and worst ERAs as starting pitchers. I mean, that's... Thank I, God there's like no gambling in Maine, and I'm taking a break because I just made a major purchase on an engagement ring because I would have lost all my money. There it is. Yeah. No, that's smart. Uh, maybe that's a little bit of uh, maturing, but football season hasn't started yet. Um, I was about yeah, to say, it, saving it for football, baby. <laughs> I had a feeling. 
But yeah, and I mean, like, this is where, like, when you talk about the baseball season and why we took so long to jump, like, headfirst into evaluating the season, because things change so fast. But over the course of 162 games, you really get a feeling for a team. You know, like last year when we were talking about them in May, we kind of had a feeling that was going to be the team the entire season. Even when they went on winning streaks, it was relatively underwhelming. I mean, this season felt so good for so long with the Yankees, as it did for the Mets. And you're thinking they're on this collision course. But over the last two months, it, the feeling hasn't really gone away from the Mets. It's been more product of the fact that, like you said, the Braves just straight up don't lose. Yeah, they're but I don't good. think the Mets have lost any of their mojo, whereas the Yankees are, are like we said, talking about a free fall of epic proportions. Yeah, and you know what? Shame on shame on Toronto for not taking advantage of this with all that talent. I think we talked about them as being our one of our most disappointing teams. Um, but I mean, with the Yankees, like, I don't want to look ahead to the off season yet. But like, you've already mentioned guys that aren't on the team. What's up? Like the front office, like, is Cashman back? And also, is Boone back? If the, if this goes the way it looks, because if they miss the playoffs, they have to fire Boone, right? I don't think they will because they just gave him a contract extension. They're not going to fire him. And really, too, is I don't know what more he can do. And I continue to be an apologist for him, but more so an apologist for what the manager of today's baseball team is supposed to be. I mean, they just don't have – Cashman, he – all reports say that he's going to be back because I think the Steinbrenners just love him and he's attached at the hip. But – I mean, you're looking at off-season moves of Connor Falefa at short, who is one of the worst shortstops in terms of war in all of baseball. He's playing every day. Flavor Torres is a shell of himself. Josh Donaldson, you got to be this power guy. He's played a good third base, but he's been a shell of his former self. You know, there, there's just up and down the roster. Aaron Hicks, who they refused to move, is now not playing in, term, in favor of Oswaldo Cabrera. So maybe the writing's on the wall for him, especially with the Harrison Bader trade. I mean, he's admitting a lot of mistakes and these are guys that he refused to part with for a long time. And they're coming back to bite him in the ass. And again, like, can you trust him in terms of roster configuration in the off season of going out and making the moves? I'm not saying spend $400 million. I'm saying, are you going to part with prospects to get the best player? Or are you going to part with the prospects you want to part with and get a 75 to 80% of the best player, plus still not call up those top prospects because there's a guy that you really like that you don't want to admit defeat on. I know I throw a lot out there, but that seems to be the general consensus and trend, right? Yeah, and you know what? I think that was just a long-winded answer of saying half-pregnant. It's been the theme, man. That's just what this organization has been. Uh, And it fucking sucks. Is IKF your new Luis Sessa? I've really not liked him at all. <laughs> and again, he, I, I don't like him due to the fact that he's playing a role he shouldn't play. You know, they're playing him as their everyday shortstop. He's not an everyday player. and He's certainly not an everyday shortstop. He should be a utility guy, and I would not mind him. Aaron Hicks, I wouldn't hate if he played twice a week. I hate him when he's the everyday center yeah. fielder. You know? No, no doubt. I, I feel like with the two of them, you have... Two, and I hate Torres. Two utility guys playing every single day. And I know you hate Torres, and I'm, I'm really souring on him. It's sad to say, but because, you know, I was I was predicting him to be the greatest Yankee of all time at one point. Yeah, he has taken the Gary Sanchez mantle 
in terms of just being like a bone. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> Somebody had to do it. But low baseball IQ, you know, diminished return on asset. Uh, once really hyped player, only had two great years, and we've seen longer of him bad than good. Um, so, yeah, this is his last season with the Yankees. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, Tom, one great player I do want to talk about before we get off of baseball. I don't know if you saw the Julio Rodriguez extension with the Mariners, and it's pretty concerned, confusing, I should say. But, holy shit, this was a seismic decision with the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, can you break this one down for me because I don't really feel like reading? Or do you <laughs> sure. need me to read? <laughs> no, I got you. Starts with an eight-year deal that will give him $120 million that runs through the season 2029. At that time, there will be multiple team options that range widely in length and value depending on certain benchmarks. I'm reading this article from the New York Times. The most extreme benchmark of which would add 10 years and $350 million to the original deal. So that could take him through 2039 and get him $480 million dollars one of those opt-outs, if he declines after the five-year or Seattle, that's five-year option for $90 million. He could also leave that $90 million on the table and be a free agent at age 29. That's a lot at you, so what do you think? What do you take from all this shit? I think um, they're getting him at an incredible discount, but I'm looking to, what is it, 2029? Or, or sorry, age 29, he's going to be a free agent. That's what I think. It's entirely possible. You know, the Mariners, though, they're not strapped for cash. So they, they do have – I mean, they have money, right? Like, they're not – but how much are they willing to spend on one player as, as revenues continue to skyrocket? I think that there is a chance that he is their next franchise guy. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, he's a five-tool player. No, no, no doubt in my mind. He's electric. He's fun to watch. He's uh, my new guy because Tatis has kind of been a bonehead about this PED thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think they're getting him at an incredible discount. I just don't see how he doesn't opt out in his, in his year 29 season. Well, we do know how fickle these things are. As you just mentioned, Tatis, I think the Padres would like to trade him as soon as this offseason, but it might take till next. I'll he take won't him. finish that deal. I'll got take enough low IQ guys, but <laughs> I know, but he's so electric. I always go for talent over everything. You know that. I know, but that electric talent, if it's not available, is just wasted talent. So who knows? But that goes to show, right? These deals never really matter. Look at the deal Arenado got, and he was gone. And Goldschmidt, he's gone. And I, I don't know, but I do feel like the Mariners are a little different. They've been willing to to pony up, and this is their first generational guy, really, since A Rod. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Ichiro. Well, you know, Ichiro, I mean, they, they brought him over from Japan. They didn't, he was a seasoned pro in Japan well before. I'm talking, you draft him, you groom him, he wins, True. you know, rookie of year type award. Not, not Ichiro, who, although won rookie of year and MVP, he was already a 10 year pro in Japan. Yeah, no, you're right. No, you're right. I, I think he's their guy for the future, and I, I think it's a good job by then giving him. I mean, of course, you're going to take the money, but uh, if if things go the way they're looking, he's opting out after five years because there's going to be so more I, money as long as baseball is still around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, And maybe he wants a larger market. Maybe the Mariners 
or can't build talent around him. We, we've seen this before. But anyway, Tom, I made a list of five players who I think are going to be the next super young stars to be extended. I want to get your take on these guys and see if you maybe have another, a couple other names. I have Adley Rutschman of Baltimore, O'Neill Cruz of Pittsburgh, Bobby Wood Jr. of Kansas City, Shane McClanahan, who was scratch for his start today from Tampa Bay, and Jeremy Pena, the shortstop for Houston. What do you think of those names, and do you think any of those guys are next in line for extensions like this? O'Neill Cruz, lock him up. Dude is amazing, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Pena, I mean, yeah, him too. Uh, McClanahan, and I've watched a lot of him this year, is – has he been hurt? It's just been weird. His strikeouts have taken quite a dive in the second half of the season. He was averaging about 10 a game in the first half, and I think he's down to like four and a half, five a game in the second half. I haven't paid attention to that. I know he started the All-Star game, and he got scratched tonight for a shoulder impingement, what they think. But, um, I mean, he's we see Tampa do this, right? They'll maybe extend guys and then look to trade them. They've done it with Snell. They've done it you know, with Price. They've done it with a lot of guys. Yeah, no, I think all those guys are going to be in line for an extension, but I think uh, O'Neill Cruz is going to be one of these eyebrow raisers. They already did it with Cabrian Hayes, right? I think eight years. Yep. So and that's a discount. You're going to look at that like a discount too. This is the thing with these teams, and I don't, again, begrudge the Yankees because Judge you know, came up so late since he went to college. But you know, I wish other teams would do this because you see Atlanta. I mean, they've locked up. They're basically their entire core of their team on team friendly deals. They got Michael Harris. They got um, obviously Riley. Acuna. Not to mention Albies and Acuna from years before. You know the the uh, Marlins with Al- with uh, Sandy Alcantara. You know, teams are doing this now, and it's just wondering why the Yankees are be- incapable of, of potentially doing this. But maybe it's kind of worked out in their benefit, right? Because these guys haven't continued their trajectory. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say is the Yankees also don't have a player right now to, to that you named or like you named to even bother doing that. No, they don't. Like you uh, haven't but, seen Volpe or, you know, name any of the yeah, other guys sorry. come up yet. If they if they come up, if they come up and they're performing like Julio Rodriguez, I would like to think the Yankees would do something smart and lock them up, but they haven't been able to prove that yet because they can't even fucking – get talent to the major league level four years ago we thought that was torres right enough enough (laughs) (laughs) all right uh that's enough on baseball we're depressed but tom some important news with your knicks last night they locked up rj barrett and i want you to kind of go on for a while here as the resident knicks fan i know we've talked it to death but there seems to be always new developments in the times in which we speak but rj barrett got the four-year rookie extension and i really want to know and here you kind of do a deep dive on it does that keep him out of a donovan mitchell trade or is he still very much a candidate or do you think utah is really just all about the picks i don't think me personally just reading the tea leaves i don't think rj barrett was ever an option i don't know if the knicks were just sending out that fodder that the deadline for the mitchell trade was last night or they were going to re-sign rj barrett i don't think he was ever really in serious conversations in the mitchell trade i think it was more picks and ancillary players as well i don't think the knicks are out of the trade and of course i like it when you put a guy and you lock him up that has a lot of promise on his rookie deal you don't want to end up going to restricted free agency or any of that bullshit you don't want to end up in a deandre Ayton situation or anything along those lines so 
I, I just I never believed that he was anywhere near the Mitchell deal. Just from both sides. I don't think the Knicks would give him up, and I don't think the Jazz, not to say that they weren't interested, but I think the Jazz knew that, and they're looking for more draft picks. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I don't know why Utah, unless, you know, they don't seem hell-bent on acquiring Donovan Mitchell's replacement. They seem hell-bent on drafting Donovan Mitchell's replacement with a litany of other teams' picks. And, you know, for the Knicks, Leon Rose has to keep their first, you know, really good young player from being a part of a trade or else you're talking Carmelo Anthony territory again, right? And you don't want to do that because we know Donovan Mitchell's a really, really good player, but he's not Kevin Durant. He's not a guy of that ilk. So you you want to build the cornerstone of Brunson, Mitchell, and Barrett. This is, I think, just haggling over the draft compensation and how many of these picks are going to be yeah. unprotected. For me, what it was years. for me, it was just more of a headline than anything. And you know, you're 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 an intellectual fan, as am I. And I, I just think when I read that, I said, okay, this means absolutely nothing to me because I think it it meant nothing. Uh, I don't think those two things are mutually. Exclude whatever, whatever the word is, you know, like I don't think those things went hand in hand. I think those are actually complete opposites. I think the Knicks were, the, RJ Barrett was never involved in this deal. I still think that Jazz would want him, but of course, I, I think any think team in the I, NBA would take Donovan Mitchell, but I think the Jazz, I, I don't think he, or excuse me, I think the Jazz would take RJ Barrett, but. I don't think he was ever involved in the deal. And if he was, then I'll be I'll talk to you later. I'm going down to fucking the offices of Madison Square Garden and I'm gonna have some talking to. <laughs> I don't I wouldn't be shocked if Barrett is the tr- is the main trade piece, but they have to give up less draft assets. I'd My be only sad. confusion it would be sad because I don't understand then why would Utah completely change course? You know, a guy like RJ Barrett for as exciting of a player as he is, and he could definitely be now under this contract, the cornerstone replacement in Utah. Why wouldn't they just look to trade him next year? Like, yeah, this is, this should be all about draft pick compensation. And I'm sorry when the Knicks have 11 draft picks coming up in like the next five years, four years, you know, if you have to trade four or five of them and three of those are unprotected, you should be good enough where they don't matter a tremendous amount. We know their track record with drafting. So I don't see what the holdup is. I would yeah. give Utah the price that they want, which is probably Fournier to make the money work, pick one of or two of Grimes and Toppin and quickly, and then your four or five picks and call it a day. Call it into the office, my friend. And you know what? I I think we can, I, we can put this in uh, – Let's not say permanent marker, like I said earlier, but a pencil that maybe you lost the eraser on, or 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 a uh, or a golf pencil where they don't have the erasers on it. You can you can go ahead and say that R.J. Barrett is an uh, excuse me, goddamn, R.J. Barrett's already a Nick. You can go ahead and say that Donovan Mitchell is a Nick before the season begins, and R.J. Barrett is still on the Knicks. It makes the most sense. I like it. I like it for your team. I think it would immediately make you a top five team in the East. And that's your cornerstone. That's your franchise now. You build your roster around Brunson, Barrett, and Mitchell. And I don't understand why they won't, unless they're only bidding against themselves and holding Utah's fire 
you know, hand, feet to the fire. Well, Sean, if that comes out, the fact that the Knicks actually were smart and realized, oh my God, we're only bidding against ourselves and we're just going to hold hold Utah to their word, that they're just going to stand pat until we give them more and then they finally cave, oh my God, I would be over the moon. It would be a huge change and really like a wild card because Danny Ainge wins all these trades, but you, you heard this weekend, you know, maybe you missed it that Cleveland, you know, bowed out of the race. Washington thinks they might be in contention, but they don't really have the pieces because again, it's about draft picks. Nobody has the draft capital that the Knicks have. So I don't know why they would bid against themselves, but also at the same point, you have so much of this draft capital, just use it. And if you trust your front office and you trust this new, you know, we'll just call it a big three of Brunson, Barrett and Mitchell, you're not going to be bad enough where those picks really, really matter. So just, just do it. I agree. I agree. Don't get raked over the coals, but do it. If they want one extra draft pick, come on. You guys aren't going to make a good pick anyways. I hope they're listening to the pod. I hope they are too. What'd you think of the Patrick Beverly trade? Um, to the Lakers for THT and Stanley Johnson. I think the Lakers are trying to get Russ to take a buyout. And they're like, who does Russ hate the most? (laughs) (laughs) It's really what I think. Clearly they've given up on trying to trade him. Um, I don't remember who, but there was a team that was, I was listening to Max Kellerman and he was talking about packages like um, to Indiana um, for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for Russell Westbrook. It almost drove my fucking car off the road. I was like, <laughs> what is Indiana high? Or, or, or are you just trying to fill airtime on a Tuesday? Are you, are you fucking kidding me? I think that hypothetical that was thrown out there also included the 2027 and 2029 Laker firsts. Just throwing that in there. I, I, okay, fine. But, like, I, I don't know, man. That's... I think Russell Westbrook is going to get bought out. Yeah, do you think they just tell him that camp, like, don't come to camp? It's like, a shame. Like the Rockets did with Wall. It's a shame, but you know what? Honestly, I think it's to the point where it's we were all proven right about Russell Westbrook, and he can't change. He can't. He can't become the player that the Lakers need him in order to win, and and that's. You know, if you want to be an asshole and and uh, fine, enjoy playing in. I don't know. Oklahoma City again and getting your numbers like I think they're trying to get rid of him they're definitely trying to get rid of him I just wonder if it's all posturing and I think they're gonna buy him out yeah I I just don't know the the resolution here maybe they're holding out for this Knicks jazz trade and like we've talked about that they're the third team that helps facilitate it with picks and they offload Russ and either the Knicks or jazz buy him out and Whatever. Gonna say like, he ain't playing in Utah. No, he's not. It really is amazing because you look at a guy of that talent, and you just wish he was self-aware enough to change his game a little bit, and he just refuses. It's like, dude, talk to your teammate, Carmelo. He went through this. He went to yeah. he went to Oklahoma City, Atlanta for ten minutes where he didn't even play. And then Houston and didn't want to change. And then guess what happened? He reinvigorated himself in Portland and now in L.A. And he extended his career by like two and a half, three years. And he's still playing next year going into this next season with a chance to, I don't know, if everything breaks right for the Lakers and everything breaks wrong for every other contender, win a championship. Well, Melo's a free agent, so he hasn't signed anywhere yet. So 
Uh, maybe but it's still just the fact. But... Yeah, I mean, he Westbrook is still athletic enough where he could be an impact player. But yeah, I think this trade. I, I'm complete complete agreement with you. Like this trade was made to tell what Russell Westbrook, hey. Um, we don't know what our backcourt's going to be, but you're not going to be a part of it. Yeah, I would just try and go back in time and and figure out who else he hates and bring them in. <laughs> he doesn't like Dame, who, by the way, Dame's got the W on that one because I think he sent them home packing in the playoffs that one time on a buzzer beater. And when he waved much, goodbye to him, and he's just and he's just a much better player. But if they could get Dame in there, I bet you they would too. I bet you they would as well. Yeah, for, for more reasons than just to piss off Russ. But, yeah, man, it's pretty crazy. Um, the NBA, I still think there's some things to happen. The Nets signed Markeith Morris to a one-year non-guaranteed deal. You kind of called like that one low-key. Yeah, I think he's a good depth piece. And, again, non-guaranteed. So he's going to have a camp invite. But I, I think he could uh, I think he could serve a good role on this team as a front-court enforcer and knock down some threes. I mean, if he's just – if he just does what Blake Griffin was supposed to do, that's a that's a major you know upgrade at the end of the bench. Yeah, no doubt about it. If if he could do, if he could give you, you know, eight points and and four rebounds a game, I think he'll take it. A hundred percent. Plus, you know, he's going to play defense and he's going to rebound, which would be a nice change. And he's a guy that you could kind of put there, you know, in, in certain roles against like a. Uh, PJ Tucker or, or you know maybe a, a Bobby Portis kind of guy like that but um, Tom I think we need to talk some NFL the preseason is thankfully over and I just want to get your final takeaways from Jets camp and if there were any notable cuts that you uh, that you acknowledge today plus the Denzel Mims situation not really any notable cuts that I was upset about Quan Alexander had a huge hit in the most recent game oh my god he looks back um hopefully he can stay healthy that's really been his only issue of recent times um the offensive line has been looking really good I think they can be a top half of the league offensive line um I continue to be optimistic it's one of those things where the Jets are always kind of a little off the radar and and the national media is kind of poo-pooing them and whatnot and i think that they're going to surprise some people this year again i'm not going to say that they're going to win 10 games but if they can go 500 i think that and zach wilson can have a like i said 10th alternate pro bowl type year i think people are going to be talking good things about the jets denzel mims asking for a trade i mean this is will smith's um theory about baylor wide receivers that they they never pan out in the nfl and I mean, okay, whatever, you know. Wasn't that game against the Giants like such the perfect like audition to get him a touchdown and some catches and be like, see guys, see you should trade for him. Yeah, no doubt. I I think there was some some play. If this was the NBA, there'd be some plays that were designed for him. Let's just say that. Yeah, certainly, certainly felt that way. I didn't watch a second of that game, but I absolutely was, uh, I absolutely was, you know, looking at highlights and especially that Quan Alexander hit. But I saw Denzel have the touchdown, and I think he had over 100 yards receiving. It was like, all right, just get him the fucking ball. Uh, maybe we can get a seventh for him. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he's what? He's the fucking sixth wide receiver on our team. See you later. That was a really bad pick. That was a really bad yes, pick. Yes, it, it was indeed. But, hey, if you can do like what you did a couple of years ago with Teddy Bridgewater and get a draft pick for him just based off preseason, let's do it. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and they, for a guy like that who probably doesn't have a spot on your roster, if you can get anything for him. I noticed he wasn't cut today, so I think they are holding out for a trade. Um, as far as the Giants, Darius Slayton was rumored to be traded. He has not been traded, at least as of yet. I still think there's a good chance he does get cut, or does get traded, rather. Um, but, you know, Tyrod Taylor took that hit, and overall I thought that, you know, them cutting Davis Webb, they're only down to two quarterbacks like the Jets are. This team is going to be interesting. They they have a very crowded linebacker room. They have a very, very uh, small safety and quarterbacks room. So I'm thinking they're going to be active on the waiver wire uh, at those positions. But as far as the Giants, again, the offensive line shines. It was against practice squad guys for the most part. And, you know, the real stuff starts in, in 10 weeks. But were there any guys that were cut or traded that caught your eye today around the NFL? Um, nobody really notable. Was there anybody for you? I thought Tyler Johnson, um, who was cut by Tampa Bay. I think he's a receiver that could help some teams. Um, yeah. Alex, Alex Leatherwood was cut from the Raiders, which was pretty amazing seeing as how he was <laughs> the number 17 overall pick a year ago. <laughs> yeah. The like, Raiders make me laugh. There's always them, right? Like, even though there's hype around them, it's like, yeah, but they're the Raiders. Um, and, yeah, there's there's a couple other guys, but nobody of super, the Jets, super note. The Jets, sorry, the Jets still have three quarterbacks, though. I think they held on to Mike White. Oh, that's right. They cut the uh, CFL guy. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe at some point in the season they'll, they'll dwindle it down to two, but I think with Zach and his knee, they're probably going to hold on to three for a little bit. Yeah, it probably makes sense, right? Um Tom, I just can't wait to do our preview next week. The NFL is, it's like they're in the cock tease phase where the preseason's over, everybody's ready, and it's like, nope, still got to wait another week. I can't wait either. I got I got two fantasy drafts coming up. Um, when, the hell, when the hell is my other one? I got to make sure it's not the same day as our podcast. Um, are the Greenwich Big Dogs making another run at it this year? The Greenwich Big Dogs are making another run at it. My friend, uh, one of my best friends, Dylan, texted me and said, you know, I don't know if you're keeping track, but once I got engaged, my uh, my fantasy career went downhill. And he said he said something about me being Icarus. Obviously, you know the story of Icarus floats, yes. you know, flew too close to the sun, his wax wings fucking melted. I just told him, listen, brother, my wings are made of titanium, <laughs> so I I'm gonna be good to go. There will be the no back. There will be no. I mean, come on, bro. I, I've never missed a playoffs since we started this league in high school. Never missed the playoffs once in this league. And won the championship two years ago. Lost by a fucking ball hair to in the championship <laughs> game this past year. The Greenwich Big Dogs are rolling. I've got my gear. I've got my Big Dogs vintage t-shirt. I got this year it's Star Trek themed. Next year I think it's going to be Big Dogs sci-fi themed. Um, or um, not sci-fi, Star Trek. Next year it's CSI themed. I've already got it picked out and queued up on eBay. And I bought the hat from Barstool that says, let the big dogs eat. I'm ready to go. This is really, this is really some job by you. Yeah, you're not mailing it in at all. We we have to uh, decide on a bet that will never pay off. Uh, yeah, no, but it's fun to talk about it, you know? Of course it is, or else... I mean, if nothing else, there's bragging rights. I'm two and one over you, and that honestly feels just as good as making you do any kind of ridiculous shit. But 
and have you yeah, have you um have you decided have you locked in uh what's that thing you do every year that you lose oh, the survivor league and pick them yeah yeah i'm in there you're in there you put it in already or or have you submitted yeah. your teams well, no, you don't do that until the first games, like the week of the first oh, games. Okay. What day are we supposed to be doing this pod? As we schedule, um, as we schedule, <laughs> a live right now. I mean, I'd like to do the full preview like Monday. Perfect. Day, Perfect. With Will, because I get back that afternoon from DC, and I'm I'm just gonna want to hang out. Perfect. So Monday is the fifth. Then Tuesday, I have the big dogs draft. Gorgeous. In the and Dino then, Hype Co. Big Money League. That's what it's called. <laughs> and then you <laughs> and then you and I will do our picks uh, later that week before the first Sunday of games. But, yeah. Sperm Bank Pick of the Week is back. I need, for God's sakes, dude, I need to get past the 1 o'clock games of week one in Survivor <laughs> this year. Uh, it, it is honestly the biggest <laughs> kick in the absolute I think on uh, like this year I mean it's impossible I'd have to look at the schedule cuz you what do you what do you pick one team a week right you pick one team a week with no spread and you can only use that team once I think so, this year burn burn a hot burn something just to get some momentum flowing this year like yeah I don't know who I don't know who the Chiefs play, but like take somebody like them where it's like a major lock just to get, you know, just to get the tip in. Oh, for sure. I mean, listen, just the tip would be fine this year compared. That to should the be last your team years. name, just the tip. Just the tip. But you know what? I, I I might I might copyright that and use it right now. Um, because this has been some horse shit. So two years ago, I picked Philip Rivers in his first game with the Colts at Jacksonville. They lost, and it was Jacksonville's only win of the year. Yeah, they lost like overtime. I remember that fondly. And then last year, I picked my boy, Kirk Cousins, over the Bengals, which retrospectively was dumb, but at the time, <laughs> the Bengals are terrible. Like, they're going to be bad. So I tried to get cute, and of course, uh, that didn't work out for me. So you're right. I need to just say, I don't care if everybody else takes the Chiefs this weekend. Everybody else won't be able to use the Chiefs the next few weeks when I try to use them. So. It's it's you know it's ball it's it's bullshit. But then every week is pick them, and you pick every game with the spreads, and you tally up whoever wins the most games a week, and there's a cash payout, and then whoever has the most at the end of the season wins a very hefty sum of money. So nice. Let's keep that off Venmo. We don't want the IRS looking into it. Yeah, not with all the new agents. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I probably shouldn't have even brought it up on this podcast. Um, <laughs> All right, Tom, is there any golf you want to talk before we just of do course. a quick college football? All right, well, it's golf time for you, so let's go. Cam Smith, more, see you later. I know you're playing in the fucking Boston event this week. Um, enjoy that. Enjoy the fucking shotgun starts and all that stuff. Am I going to watch? <laughs> Probably. Um, listen, Rory, Rory had a year, man. I know he didn't have a major, but he finished top ten in all of them. I Winning the winning the FedEx Cup, there's no the guy is carrying the PGA Tour there, and if you told me that the PGA Tour rigged it so that he won, not that I believe that they do, I'd say good because he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, he had a hell of a year, man. He's had, and and really, I've grown so much respect for him as really the first year of really following the tournaments. Like 
he really has taken on, like, you can see that there's a lot of Tiger in him from the sense of how he wants to be kind of the elder statesman of the tour and really carry the tour on his back going forward. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he's leading the charge there. You sent me a nice quote that for like a quarter of a second, for literally a quarter of a second, because I was at dinner at the time, half reading it, I believed. And I was like, no way Rory would say this. (laughs) He's such a classy guy. No way. Yeah, I think it was a ball sack sports quote unquote (laughs) report, which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen everybody talking about the Kyrie quote unquote story that ball sack sports put out that got like everybody losing their shit. Did you ever see that? Honestly, Kyrie Irving, when when you're one of these, um, what do you want to call it? Fugazi accounts where they try and put out real shit. That's so crazy. Kyrie Irving, I think, shouldn't be fair because it's actually so believable. (laughs) That I, I think it should be illegal for you to make up a crazy story about Kyrie because it could be true by next week. Yeah, I think that's why it got everybody because it was like apparently there's a rift between him and Nash. And the reason is is because Nash had everybody at his home and Kyrie looked at Steve Nash's MVPs and said, you should give those back to Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like do you know why that there's a terrible relationship between the two I'm like the references from ball sack sports maybe people on espn should do their research a little bit more than that i love it when they get them like that oh it's beautiful to see but yeah so um so cam smith is gone and tom really like you knew that this was coming after this past weekend's tournament right Oh, I mean, the reports have been out since literally minutes after he won the Open Championship. So, of course we know. Okay. Yeah, it's – I don't know what the PGA is going to do. They should listen to you, obviously, but – I thought I had uh, – Sean, i got to be honest. I have not heard a better idea to fix this thing. I, I I've heard, heard of it. the Tiger, Rory, Stadium, Golf, whatever. Um, yeah, like the simulator, right? Yeah, whatever it is. I mean, I think my idea is better. What it do is you think? Better. It is better. And I'm, and you know what I have to say? It's not as big of a name. I don't know if you know him because, you know, you're not as into golf. But Joaquin Neiman leaving, too, is tough. I really like him. And I think yeah, he could have been another guy that could contend for majors for another six years. Sucks, man. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, as far as the young crop of players, like the real young ones that are going to be coming up, do you think Liv is going to just try to poach every great, you know, college golfer that turns pro, or do you think that the that they're going to just try to stay in the PGA for a while and then get their bag after they win? No, I mean they're already poaching him. You got the kid out of Arizona State. I forgot his name. I was watching the golf cha- college championships this year, and he's already signed up with Liv, and he's played in a couple tournaments. And then you got, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You got these two guys that hit the ball with a perfect pure swing, not swinging out of their dicks like some of these long drivers <laughs> that hit the ball further than Bryson that go to our University of Arizona and uh, UCLA. I guarantee you they're after them too. I mean, of course. They've already signed a few guys out of college. They're going to try and go after them early as well. It really sucks. Like, it honestly, does. just as I was getting into it, I was like, God, you know – this, and I'm not going to watch live, at least as of now. I have no interest in watching live because I don't know what any of the tournaments mean, especially when these dudes are all getting paid they don't, anyway. Obviously, they don't mean dick. I mean, there's a lot of contracts there that are interesting that the information hasn't been put out. But if some of these cases that they have, um, Taylor Gooch and a few of them, a few, of the other, few of the other ones go to Supreme Court, the contracts will be made um, 
more public and, and some of the information in there. And some of them, it's like you have to pay back some of the money and, or, or it's it's retroactive to the winnings or whatever. I mean, obviously, like guys like Bryson and, and, and Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson, they're probably guaranteed every penny that of what they earn. But some of these guys, it's like, I think they're getting fucked. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they <laughs> you know? are. I think they're really getting fucked. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to see. It, it does suck. I do, honestly, I have to say, um, you know, the the live thing, whatever, I've, I've said my piece on it. The presentation is pretty damn good, and the announcing is pretty damn good. And it's not a terrible product to watch. I, I really have to to say that. Maybe next year that will be my uh, that will be my sport to get into. Why don't you just get into golf, Sean? Like fuck, live. I was just saying it to give him a little credit. Now you're gonna dive into live on YouTube. Come on. You know I'm not. You know, <laughs> no. I I think by next year they're gonna have a TV deal. I don't think they're gonna be exclusively on YouTube for for much longer. And of course, my girl. I mean, excuse me, my fiance's. Sister's friend who is just, uh, just I, I don't know her that well, but I've heard things where it's like she she's an anti-masker, big, big, big repub or whatever you want to call it. Now now I heard from her sister who is by the way the polar opposite um, of that is she's like oh yeah she's working for this company called Live Golf, and I was like oh classic classic super duper right winger that would just completely talk out of both sides of their mouth and say how terrible 9-11 was and how awful the Middle East is and how terrible they treat people, but then go and work for Live Golf. Like, nothing's wrong. You'll love to see it. And the problem is, is listen, I don't know this person, but I'm, I feel comfortable enough to say it in this space, that person's probably not intelligent enough to understand the hypocrisy. So mm-hmm. and most, of them, most of them aren't, um, and that's fine. But with that being said, I also said, I'm, I'm, they're probably not paying her well because she's just out of college and she seems like a fucking idiot. But if they were, I'd probably grab the bag too at 23, 24 years old. I have to say s- that. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't want to hear any more, you know, the terrorists are at it again. Um, bullshit <laughs> from her or anybody else that way. But, Tom, I'm going to do this to you. We're, we're in the thick of it now. One more we thing before we, do, right, before we do right. college football. Did you watch Serena last night? I know we don't talk tennis on here, but she's a goat. I didn't watch her, but I'm so happy she won, and I hope to God she wins tonight. I don't know if you have a score or if you have any. It's tomorrow night. It's Wednesday night. Oh, it's tomorrow night. Okay, good. Even better. Then, then, uh, no, but obviously I'm rooting for her to go on a magic carpet ride here. One thing I will say, and apparently I don't know what good tennis and what bad tennis looks like. She's been playing great. When they did have her come up and make her speech, she pulled the, oh, my God, I had no idea all this was happening. It's like, come on, man. You invited 100 of your friends and family to come to this this match because you knew <laughs> that fucking ESPN and whatever the tennis committee is and the, and the U.S. Open committee was throwing this for you. Oh, my God, I had no idea. Come on. Just, yeah. just you know, don't, don't say, oh, I knew this was happening, but also just don't say that. But with that being said, Congratulations to Serena. I hope she wins it all. It would be an all-time great story. Um, let's talk about college football. Sean, go over some of the matchups with me, and I will tell you what I'm interested in. 
Yeah, not only tell me if what you're interested in, but I'll give you the lines too, and see if you have any interest in and in maybe you know, okay. down some of that money and being irresponsible. Because um, you'll be in Saratoga, right? So you'll have free reign. Um, True. All right, here are the ones that are I'm looking at. Just to start, we're looking at the old backyard brawl, West Virginia at Pitt. Pitt is ranked 17. West Virginia is unranked. Pitt's a seven and a half point favorite. Oh, give me, give me fucking Pitt all day. If they're ranked 17 and they're at home, first game of the season. All right. They're going to win Cincinnati, that game by 10 points or more. Cincinnati, ranked 23, is at Arkansas, ranked 19. Arkansas is a six-point favorite at home. Stay away. Fun one here. Oregon at Georgia. Well, actually, <laughs> well, I guess actually it is technically at Georgia, but it's at Mercedes-Benz. You know those neutral sites at college football. That um, one's fair because it's the first big game of the season and you want to fill that stadium up. Yeah, and Georgia will be playing there, so it'll be a huge contingency of Bulldog fans. But number 11, Oregon, against number 3, Georgia, the reigning champs. Georgia's a 17-point favorite. Give me the give me the dogs with the spread. Love it. All right. We got let's see here. Utah ranked number seven at Florida, unranked. Florida is a three point dog at home. Stay away. I don't like teams going into the swamp. All right. Especially Utah. Notre- they're just they're newly good, I suppose. I mean they've yeah, been they- frisky over the last 10 to 12 years, but I need to see more. Yeah, they're number seven overall in preseason rankings. We'll see how long that lasts, although we know how bad the Pac-12 is. Notre Dame, number five, at Ohio State, number two. Ohio State at the Horseshoe is a 17-point favorite. This one is a head-scratcher, Sean. Why don't you tell me how you feel about this one, and I may base how I feel off that. You know I'm not a big Notre Dame fan at all. I think they're going to get their shit rocked. 17 points is a lot for the first game of the season. Even though C.J. Stroud is on Heisman watch. I mean, shit. I could see I could see them winning fucking 41-20. to 20. All right. Lock it in there. I'll, I'll, I'll follow that lead. Although, Notre Dame, their defense is usually okay enough to hang in games, but... At Ohio State's tough, no neutral side there. And then the last one I have for you, Clemson, who had kind of an underwhelming season last year, Tom. We can admit that, right? They're preseason number four, and they're going to Georgia Tech. Give me the spread there. 22-point Clemson advantage. Give me Clemson. Clemson's going to yeah. – Dabo is going to run up that score. These me spreads too. are too low. I'm big yeah. into taking – when it comes to college football, I'm going to take the favorites and I'm going to take them heavy because they seem to win by 30 every time. Last one for you. The Utah State Aggies visit the Alabama Crimson Tide. Can Alabama I guess the spread? 40 uh, – yeah, sure. Uh, I almost cut you off. So. Well, you said 40, so I'm going to say 41 and a half. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man, that is such a I, – I, I, that one I might stay away from just because I can't stomach taking that big of a number because it's like <laughs> is Saban going to pull everybody in the in halfway through the third quarter even though Alabama's second string guys might still be better than Utah State. Uh, Practice squad guys might be better than Utah State. <laughs> yeah. I, do, you, do you feel good about a 41-and-a-half point spread? 
I mean, no, because because of the reasons you said. Yeah, and it's like if Alabama scores 40, 42 points in a game, that's a lot, and they got to win by that much. I mean, Utah State could kick a field goal and it fucks your whole bet up. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and Saban doesn't give a fuck about the spreads. So yeah, uh, no, stay away from that one. It's just a little too heavy for my blood. There it is. All right, Tom, I think we did it. I think we're ready for the beginning of football. We'll be back next week with our full preview with Will Smith. And have a great time in Saratoga. Thank you, my friends. Safe flight to and from D.C. I'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy your Alabama Crimson Tide. (laughs) Go ahead, say it once. Get it out of the way. I'll get it out of the way for this year, and I'll never say it again for this year unless they win the championship. Roll fucking Tide. (laughs) There you go, buddy. All right, everyone. (laughs) Take care.